So today you're looking at the heart of Christian ministry. Uh, that's where we are. Uh, we are thinking about the apostles' ministry, and he's defending it. Um, there's a reason uh, for him to do so. Uh, there are a lot of uh, struggles going on in the, that church as people come in behind him. And so I, I think it's important to say, okay, so what is the heart of Christian ministry? If you grew up, grew up in this area or around this area, you may have uh, in your mind like a Christian minister. And you, I don't know, uh, grew up under his training or teaching or whatever. Um, and so you had in your mind like, well, that's what it looks like. Uh, you know, like he preaches, you know, sermons, tells jokes in them, has a few points, goes to the hospital all the time, every time anybody, you know, calls he's going to do that, and then he's going to uh, do things like baptisms and um, stuff like that. I mean, you know, you just kind of have this list in your head or whatever, and so uh, that those things may or may not be good, depending on uh, who it was and what they were doing. Uh, the question, though, becomes like, okay, well, what is clear, like with the apostles' ministry, although he was unique as an apostle, uh, how does he become a pattern for us of how we do ministry? And one of the things we did early on, as we said, that um, the goal here is to prayerfully share the word and the power of the Spirit. That's what we do. That, that is what we do. That's what we are seeking to do. And all the other things like buildings and all the stuff, all the other stuff that we do is um, important and we're thank, thank, thankful to God for the people that help do those things. But it's all a support to us prayerfully sharing the word in the power of the Spirit. That's in children's classes, that's in community groups, that's in discussion groups, that is in sermons, that is in the songs that we sing, like they are chosen to say, do they share truths about the word? And can we do that in a way where by God's you know, grace that we are yielded to him and doing it in a way that would bring blessing to them? That is central to us. Everything else is secondary. It's not like I said, well, I was out praying and we have a vision for what we're going to do and this year we're going to have this you know, event and this event. You know, all this, it's not like that stuff is secondary to us prayerfully sharing the word and the power of the Spirit. We believe that is where the hope is. That is where people are founded. That is where they are grounded. That's what keeps them to the end. That is why people continue to move forward. That is why the gospel is preached around the, the, the world. It's because people are doing that by God's grace and for his glory. So I just say that, that, that's it, it, that the question for us is not, does that work? That is not the question. We do not have a pragmatic thing in our minds where it's like, what would work? That's not the question for us. The question is, what has our Lord commanded us to do to go make disciples to all nations, um, not to go entertain the nations, to make disciples of all nations? And so at the heart of what we're doing is the heart of what Paul was doing. And I think you'll see that this morning. And I think it's extremely important because the Christian ministry is not about someone who has wise and persuasive words, but it is, the scripture says, a demonstration of the Spirit's power as he works through his word. And so there's an element to where you're standing behind the word saying, 
I'm not trying to like entertain you and so that you like the good story I told this morning and you can walk out saying that was a great illustration. That is not the goal. The goal is like, have you heard from the Word of God and is it clear so that you can understand who He is and what He desires of us? And so that's something we are going to keep central. We will never walk away from that. That is what, that's the heartbeat of what we do. And so you, if you spent time here for some time, you would see that. And I hope that you would take advantage of all the ways in which you can be blessed in that way. So in these people, I think it's just important to understand that um, as Paul does this work, it's not like he, it comes where like the whole world's like, oh, I love this. There are people believing the gospel, rejoicing in the gospel, being transformed by the gospel, and there are people who are hating the gospel. Uh, there's some element to where there's both great rejection and hostility, while at the, at the same time, great joy. And so we will see that. But the gospel message is, um, it's kind of funny to me. Sometimes you think uh, the church can get off on all these different things, but the, the reality is, is the gospel is offensive uh, to those who uh, reject it, you know, and it's, it's like life to those who receive it. And so we go out and proclaim that, and it is an, it's, it's all that we have and all that we need, and that's what we are to be about. Everything else is uh, when the church begins to run down every other rabbit trail, they really are running down a rabbit trail. So that's not what we're striving to do. We are striving to make the gospel clear and to make it known and to use that to touch as many lives as we can. If you remember, in case you're not sure that that's what we ought to be doing, uh, Jesus, you know, after having breakfast um, with uh, Simon Peter after he's been resurrected, if you remember what happened there, uh, Peter had denied the Lord three times and the Lord comes to him and says, do you love me? And he says, yes, Lord, you know I love you. And he says, feed my lambs. And then he goes on and says, do you love me? And he says, tend my sheep. And then the third time, do you love me? And he said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. That, that's, uh, it's important to just say this. To love God's people is to feed them. To feed God's people is to love them. Paul's ministry demonstrates that reality. So I just think it's important. We say that. I mean, we just keep saying that to ourselves because it's difficult. Now, here's the other thing. Acts 20. Paul knows he's about to, he, he's, he's going, and it's probably the last time he will see the people in Ephesus. He has all the leaders around, and he says this, Therefore I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all, for I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. That's one of the things we've tried to do. We teach through books of the Bible, book by book, chapter by chapter, verse by verse, because we're, not, we're trying not to fail to teach you the whole counsel of God. We want to be faithful that you understand the whole counsel of God. There are some uh, churches that say, well, we just do like, uh, you know, Sunday mornings like an evangelistic thing, and we want to draw in people, blah, blah, blah. And we go through this deal of like, this, the pastor, basically, if you were to look at it, he preaches six sermons over and over and over and uses a different verse. That is not our approach. Our approach is a systematic way of unpacking the whole counsel of God so that people, the God's people, will know who God is, who they are, and how they're to respond to Him. That, that's what we do. And so I just encourage you in that. It's not something like, to, we're, not, we're not arrogant about it. We're just saying, 
we want to teach the whole counsel of God. We believe that we're following uh, the apostles' leadership in that as he guided the churches. And this is what he says. So he says, I'm innocent of anyone's blood because I did not shrink from teaching the whole counsel of God. Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you. Now think about that. There are fierce wolves coming in behind the Apostle Paul, but what are they coming with? Are they actual wolves? Is this a figurative spe you know, speech? It is figurative. What he's saying, wolves are coming in. How are they going to attack the flock? Listen to what it says. And from among your, your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. So how do people lead people away from the gospel? By false gospels. That's how they do that. How do people move away from Christ? It's by believing in false gospels of their own imagination, of the culture, or of the church, like or the so-called church. That's how people are always led astray. It's interesting, and it's something you need to always remind yourself of, and it reminds me of the people in Berea when Paul was preaching. It says like they were listening to him and checking everything that he said. Is it true? You know, it's not really at the, at the heart of it. What you have to do week after week is to sit down. And that's why we give you a study guide and say, go study this by yourself. Come discuss this with other people. And then you listen to the sermon and tell us, is it true? Is what we're saying true? And if it is true, it will change every aspect of your life. That's, that's what we do. We try to say to you, we're not trying to entertain you. We're not trying to say, fill this building at all costs. What we are saying is, preach the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. It is the power of God to salvation to everyone who believes. It is the only hope. It is the only hope for your life. It is the only hope for your eternity. So we just keep bringing that to the fore. They needed to know Christ as supreme Lord and sufficient Savior and he hammers them with that reality. And so today he's defending his apostolic ministry, but it becomes something for us to stop and say, what are we doing? What, what are we doing? Why are we here? What are we striving to accomplish? And so let's look at that and think about that both as um, what you should expect of the leadership here, not just me, but others, when they are teaching the Word of God, those teaching your children, what you should expect from us, and what you should um, expect of yourself as you are spending time with your family and investing in them and talking about the things of God, what you should desire to see. So, this is the heart of this apostolic ministry. Um, is It's kind of a twofold thing. He is both, I want you to look in Colossians 1, Verse 23, he is a minister of the gospel. That, that's what he says. He says, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven, of which I became a, a minister. He is a minister of the gospel. That's what the apostle is. He is a minister of the gospel. But secondly, I want you to notice in verse 24 and 25, he is a minister to the church. It says, like, um, I, you know, he's given his life. He, he's filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of the body that is the church for which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God that was given to me for you 
to make the Word of God fully known. So to be a minister of the Word and a minister of the church means that you are making the the Word of God fully known. With great clarity and conviction, you are trying to say, if I'm serving the church and I'm serving the gospel, then I will teach the gospel to the church. And I'll keep doing it and keep doing it and keep doing it. So I think it's just important that we say that, we understand that, and we encourage each other in that. And so the greatest thing that your family needs, your children need, whatever you might, the long list of things that you might say that they need spiritually, when we're talking about what they need, they need the gospel. We are laying that out and trying to communicate that clearly. And a church that doesn't do that leaves itself open to being deceived and and broken and in, in a totally like wrecked situation. And they may still be meeting, but there is no gospel, there's no heart for the things of God, and there is nothing that gives you any hope for their future. So I just encourage you today, that's, the Apostle Paul is laying that out for us and making that very clear. It is precisely what the church needs, is to understand the truth of the gospel. That is what forms the church, sustains the church, and equips the church. Anything else will destroy it. And that's what the apostle will deal with in this. Now, what is this mystery? I think it's just important to say, you notice in verse 26 and 27, what is that? He says, this mystery was hidden for ages and now has been revealed to his saints. Now, what is the mystery? The mystery is, notice what it says in verse 27, to them God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of his mystery which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. So the gospel truths are mysterious in that they are, like you can't discover them in in a way. Like there's something, God has to enlighten you to see the gospel. You you could go to church for years and years and years, hear about Jesus and what he did for you, and never be moved by it. It is something God works in your heart. It is by revelation. It is God revealing himself to us. Now, in Colossae, there were these people that had, you know, I don't know if you ever get on like a YouTube video and you're watching one, it goes to the next YouTube video. And, you know, everybody's always telling you the secret that nobody's ever told you before, you know? And you're like, really? I mean, is that like, I mean, honestly, is that kind of like going to change my life forever? You know, the secret diet, the secret financial advice, the secret whatever. Well, in this concept of being something, it is God has not revealed his whole plan from the very beginning, but now those uh, that have experienced this gospel message that when Jesus came, all that the promises of the Old Testament are now revealed. And so they're living in this world where there's all these mystery religions. And not only that, there are people that have come into the church and they're saying like, look, you got Jesus, that initial thing with Jesus, but you need more. You, you need more. I mean, you just you need more than you have. And Paul's saying, you don't need any more than you have. You need to appropriate what you have and understand that. So it had been held back for years because God is progressively revealing his plan. And then he opens everyone's eyes and it's open to all. It's not a, a excluding thing. It's, it's, it's like to reach the whole world. It was to be proclaimed throughout the whole world. So the mystery is the gospel. It's the gospel that is publicly proclaimed that Christ has come to save you from your sins 
and to set up a kingdom forever. That Christ has come to rescue you from your sin, transform you from within, and then forever like you'll be with him, like if you put your hope and faith in him. That's the, the big message. We could lay that out in a lot of different ways, but that is what the Apostle Paul does. So at the heart of his ministry is to make the word of God fully known and to make the people of God fully mature by making him fully known, right? That, that's kind of at the heart of what he's doing. And so I think it's important that we understand that. We want to make the word of God fully known. Like at this church, we're not saying, hey, we're going to tell you something that you've never heard before. What we're going to say is, now you may never heard it before, but like we're going to tell you the things that are as clearly as we can, what is in this scripture? That takes time uh, and study, uh, but you know, God's given us teachers in churches that can help us with that and gifted them for that. And so we're just going to keep doing that. And we're going to keep trying to, to, to hand that out to you as it's revealed in Scripture. And so that is a wonderful thing. It is a neat thing that we get to be a part of. And I hope that you, you, know, you, you see that and understand that and grasp that. So notice what it goes on in verse 27. When you think about and you're trying to think about uh, these things, I think it's important that he wants them to come to this this full understanding and grasp all of the treasures that are there for us in Christ. Now, the other thing is that you would be mature. And I just want you to see that in verse 28. We're still, we're just thinking in terms of his ministry uh, to the church and, and uh, to the gospel to make it known. But I just want you to think about this. Look at 128. Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. I do remember like years ago, I talked to a friend, they were starting a church, and he said, you know, what we have in mind is um, like a 16 or 17 year old kid when we're designing everything, and um, we try to think about whatever they want, whatever they want, and whatever they want is kind of also we found what their parents want, because people want to stay in like their teens, you know, the rest of their life. And uh, he said, so we're going to design everything. They had like an MC for the service, you know. But it was like they were going to design everything around this 16 or 17-year-old kid. Think about what they wanted and give it to them. Our goal is for you to be mature. You know, we, we want you to be mature. We want you to grow up. We want you to develop. We want you not like pouting at home and whining and throwing little fits. Like we want you to grow up. We want you to um, lead your children. We want you to call them out when they're acting rebellious. We want you to um, treasure the gospel. We want you to believe in the Trinitarian God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We want you to be able to share that with your family. We want you to be able to sit down on a daily basis and do so. We want you not to like uh, spend every dollar that you have, but instead like, be wise and a good steward and restraint so that you can um, work hard with your hands and, and then bless others with what God's given you. Like we, we want things for you. We just want you to be mature in Christ. We want you to be whole. We want you to be, we know you're not going to get there here, but that's what we're trying to do. We're not trying to keep you as a little child. We don't want you to be a teen forever. We don't want our teens to be teens forever. 
We, we want you to walk in maturity. So that's exciting to us. That, that's what Paul wanted. How did he do that? He kept explaining the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And each step of the way, he, not just the Apostle Paul, but all of the apostles are like giving you different aspects of who he is. And as they, like I always say, turn the diamond, you know, and they shine the light on it, as they turn it, different bursts of lights come forth and they can see more fully and say, this is beautiful, this is wonderful, this is the hope for you, not only in this life, but in the one to come. So, verse 28, Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present you mature. That's what we desire to do. And that's costly and it's not easy. There's a lot of people in our church every week that are involved in doing that. They're they're pushing really hard towards that. It's costly to them. It's exhausting to them. It's a burden to them at times. But, but then it's, they're energized by um, the Lord, and, and they just they keep working. They keep moving forward. And so we are thankful to God for that. So you see the, the, the pattern for a ministry is that the, you have a ministry uh, of the Word and a ministry to the people, and those two things come together. We want you to understand the gospel fully and to grow up into maturity. That's our hope. That was the apostles' hope. And then you keep moving forward as you think about it. It's, um, this, there, there's kind of a twofold message. One is Christ in you. Now, this is, this is an interesting kind of thing just to think about for you, um, and I hope you'll see that. And then the second part of that is the hope of glory. So, so there's one element here, and I think it's important to say this. Most of the time, when you think about Christ in you, usually Paul says, in Christ. But Christ in you is a different way. Usually, he would speak of the Spirit in this way. So we know that that um, uh, the Father uh, sends the Son in the world. That Jesus came, lived, died, buried, rose again. He ascends into heaven. Then he sends the Spirit to 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 move and, and work in his people. Uh, this is interesting because usually he would speak of the Spirit at this place. But I think because of what was going on in that church, he speaks of Christ in you. Or you could see in other places it'll say the Spirit of Christ. And so I think it's like when we're thinking about it here and we're thinking about the message, the message is uh, that, that we have been transformed today by Christ. We have a new nature. When we are speaking of baptism, we're speaking of the old passing away, the new coming in. We have been born again to a living hope. The, the Spirit of God has transformed our hearts. And so what we're saying, we have these spiritual blessings in Christ and therefore like a new power to live for him, a new desire to live for him. And so his message was that Christ in us now, he is working in us now. His spirit is residing in us now. It is the spirit of Christ in us. Or like I said, at times you would just speak of it as the Holy Spirit working in us. And so it is Christ in you. That's part of the message that it needs to be preached and is preached and that Paul preached. Um, so he's working in you. Um, and it's also this idea of this hope of glory. So it is in the present, what the scripture says about the spirit is he's the first fruits of our transformation. So what happens is we get, it's the first fruits would be like uh, you go out and plant a field, you harvest the first round of fruit 
and then you go back and get the big harvest. So we kind of go out there and say the first fruits are the first things that have come. And the first things are the Spirit is working in us, Christ in us now. Salvation experience now. The benefits of salvation experience right now. Forgiveness of sins. Power to fight against sin in the present. The fullness of that is yet to come. And so we are kind of in between the already and the not yet. The kingdom of God has come. Christ has come. The Spirit has come. He's working in our hearts and our lives, empowering us to live a life that we could never live in and of ourselves. And yet, the fullness of that is something we hope for, the hope of glory. We're looking forward to the fullness of the harvest, the day when we will be transformed completely, the day when everything is restored. So Paul's message is the ministry of the Word to the people, right? I mean, his, that's his uh, ministry, I guess you could say. And then the message is Christ in you, and then the hope of glory. Those two things, both what you have now in Jesus and then what you're going to have in the future in Him. And so right now you're saying, He is with me, He is enabling me, yet at the same time you're looking forward to a day when you'll be transformed forever. So I think that's important. You have to hold those two together. That's that is so important. You have to hold those together because some days you feel really defeated, right? And you have to say, man, I know He's enabled me, but I'm awaiting the fullness of that in the future. And so I'm, I'm in the present, I'm saying, God, you're working in me. In the future, I know that you will transform me completely. When I see Jesus, I will be like him. And so that's a powerful thing. And then there's a couple of qualifications here of his ministry that he's going to, I think he's defending because he's saying, listen, just like the other apostles and just like Jesus, I've suffered. I've struggled. And he, he addresses that often. It's not like it's been easy for him. Colossians 1.24, he says, Now I rejoice in sufferings for your sake, and in my flesh I am filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body that is the church. So Paul went from being a persecutor to a persecuted man. He spent his life struggling with all types of troubles as a result of his uh, commitment to Jesus. That, it's clear that he faced trouble for that. John Piper, speaking of this verse says this the 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 thing that's missing here about Christ's afflictions it it has nothing to do with uh, what Jesus did on the cross there's more all the value of his work on the cross is complete but what is missing he says in Christ's afflictions is the presentation of those afflictions to the people for whom he died the personal touchable visible and seeable presentation these are people who have never seen the afflictions of Jesus, and yet he is going to fill up what is lacks by making presentation of that, even by his own life. He's giving his life in service. And so when you're thinking about the whole thing, you say, what's his ministry? It's the ministry of the word to the people of God. What is the, 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 the proclamation? Christ in you both now and the hope of the future. And then you think, what are the kind of the qualifications of that? Like he is giving his life in service. He is in his own life, in his body, he is offering uh, the gospel to them, even at great cost. And then Colossians 1.29 speaks of his fellowship in Christ's resurrection. Now what he says is, one of the things that you see is, in the face of great exhaustion and trouble, I have 
this power working in me. I have this power, this ability, this resurrection power working in me. It's proof no man could do the work that I'm doing. No man could continue to do that with all of the discouragement and all of the trouble and all of the difficulty. Nobody could do that. It's impossible. There's an energy within me that you can see and observe. Now, I want a quick, quick kind of practical application. Sometimes people, and this is going on in that church, kind of struggle with like, I just don't know that I can do that. I mean, I hear about that ministry. I mean, I, I hear about Paul's ministry, and I think, can I, can I be somebody that speaks the gospel to others? You know? Am I going to be able to understand it? Do I have the ability to bear up under the weight and, and to, to make that known? Can I do that? The interesting thing is this, and I, this, I actually talked to a guy last night that was struggling with this, and I said, you know, this, this really helped me. How do you appropriate God's power to, to do what he's called us to do? It's really when we toil and strive in God's God-given tasks that, we, that the energy meets us. Sometimes you say, I can't do that. But when you go out, step out in faith, and you do what he's called you to do, his energy meets you there. It's not like you feel like um, all energized up. It's like the energy meets the task. And I think for some of us, you, 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 it's not like you're going to wake up and be like, this morning, you know, it's like I took an energy drink of the Spirit and I'm springing out of bed, you know? I mean, there's some people like that, you know? But it's more of a, like, move forward in obedience and watch Him do what He says He'll do. Second, when you think about experiencing God's power, I think there's this divine power to press on in the long term as you sweat and labor that He keeps you even when you think you can't keep yourself. And so I think that's just important to say. And then recognizing that, I think it's one of those things where it's like you don't need to look at somebody and look out there and say, well, oh yeah, I can see that energy in them. It's, it's not that. God in his ordinary ways uses ordinary people to do extraordinary things for his glory and it's not going to be this great shining whatever he's just going to use them and he does it and and you just rejoice in it so I think it's important to say that's what his ministry is like and that really should be what our ministry is like as a church as individuals uh, that's what it ought to be like and then there's a couple more things and I just have a couple of minutes here but um, I, I want you to see in Colossians 2 1 through 5 we are not going to exhaust all of that but I just want you to see kind of Paul has some concerns and he kind of meets those uh, with joy at the end here. But I just I want you to see those real quick. He says in Colossians 2, 1 through 3, For I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you and for those that lay out a sea and for all who have not seen me face to face, that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love to, to reach all the riches of the full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. What, what is he saying? I know you haven't seen me. I know you all have just heard stories about me. I, I know that. But I want you to be united um, by love for one another. I, I want your hearts to be encouraged and knit together in love. I want you so firmed up in Christ is sufficient for your every need for every ministry opportunity, for every work that He calls you to do, for the energy to do it, 
Christ is sufficient in every one of those things for you to live a life of godliness, for you to grow into maturity. I want you to get there so that y'all are knit together in love. You're united. You're moving together for the sake of the gospel. I want to see that. I want y'all all to agree there are no essential truths outside of Jesus that will rescue you. That's kind of what happens there. And then there's a kind of a warning, and I think it's important to see it. I say this in order that no one may delude you with plausible arguments. What Paul does is, I've told you already, is he sets before them Christ, and then he says anything that's not that has got to go. I mean, that's kind of what. So he's like, it does not matter how entertaining someone is, how funny they are, how good they are at like capturing your attention or any of that kind of stuff. At the end of the day, what I want you to understand is you don't listen to anything that doesn't sound like the gospel message that you've heard from the beginning, from Epaphras, who's just a normal guy who showed up at that around and started preaching the gospel. You believed it. You saw your life being transformed. And then right behind that were some real flashy people. Don't listen to that. Hold fast to the gospel. Hold fast to the gospel. Stay with that. Stay the course with that. And so I think that's really uh, important. And lastly, he says um, in, in verse 5, For though I am absent in body, yet I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good order and the firmness of your faith in Christ. So there's this kind of unique joy that he's saying, like, I, I do believe what God began in you He's going to complete. I do believe that. I know that. And so when we are thinking about like this text today and you're kind of looking at it and, and trying to understand it, Paul's heart was to make the Word of God fully known. It was to make it fully known and to make the people of God fully mature. I mean, that's, that's what we want for you. We want God to be fully known and to, for you to be mature. And so we just keep doing the same thing. That's what I'll tell you a lot. It's like, we do the same thing over and over. What do we do? We keep preaching the gospel. As revealed in Scripture, the whole counsel of God, we go from Genesis to Revelation and say, the gospel is being found throughout the whole book. And God has spoken to us. And the more you understand of that, the more you're going to understand God. And the more you understand God, the more you see yourself. And the more you see yourself, the more you see your need for Christ. And the more you embrace Christ, the more mature you get. Over and over and over and over again. And we want you to pass that down to your family. And we want you to pass it down to your friends. And we want you to pass it down to your co-workers. And we want to see multiplication happen as people understand and believe in the sufficiency of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We want them to embrace that. We want it to transform every aspect of your life. And we do not want fools to take you captive. We do not want anyone to come in and tell you that there is another way for you to be full and complete and mature. We want to ground you in the gospel and come back around and ground you back in the gospel and come back around and ground you back in the gospel. You do not hear the gospel once and say, oh, I believe that, now teach me how to live. You hear the gospel, you say, oh, I believe that, now bring the gospel back and teach me how to live. Keep coming back to the gospel so that I'll know life. So that I can experience that. 
And for you, a lot of you, if you're going to move forward into maturity, it's going to be gaining knowledge and like giving out knowledge. I told my boys the other day, the goal for us with you is not that we, we like have a pool here and we keep adding stuff into your life and then it never goes out. When you do that, it stagnates. What we're doing is we're pouring into you, but we want you like a river. As it comes in, it goes out. And you see God work, and you see His power, and you see things like falling off of you, and you see that others become more important than yourself, and you see transformation take place, and you see people's lives change, and you see yourself growing up in maturity, and you long to get here so that you can get the calories that you need to go out and exercise in the way that you ought as you run the race for the Lord. Some of you may not be real hungry today because you haven't given much this last week. You want to mature. You take what you learn, you give it away. And then you come back for more and we'll teach you more. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We pray our church would be a church filled with people who believe that the gospel is what we need. And who understand how to take that gospel and give it to people who are struggling in this lost and dying and desperate world. May we be ministers of the gospel who love the word and love the people and know that those can never be separated. In Christ's name, amen.